Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. Today we are very happy to welcome Ivor Muller from St. Andrews University. And I think it's probably best I let him introduce himself and say a few quick words about St. Andrews. Over to you, Ivor. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, and hello, everyone who's listening to the podcast. Um, my name is Ivor Muller, as Jeremy said. Um, I'm the uh, Director of UK and European Admissions uh, and also the Deputy Director of Admissions at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. And very much looking forward to to telling you a little bit more about the university today. Before we get on to the nitty-gritty, Ivor, could you just tell us... Um... What is it you love most about your university? Um, I think the thing I love most, goodness, that's quite hard to, to put into one sentence, but I think, <laughs> I think the spectacular location, the world-class teaching, um, and the tremendous student experience in that close-knit community, I think that all merged together makes it a very attractive and unique offering here in the east coast of Scotland. I've been to visit St Andrews many times and it's one of my favourite places on this planet. So I guess I'm probably a little bit biased, a little to, bit conduct, biased. to conduct this <laughs> podcast with you. But, but for those listeners who don't actually know Scotland and, and or don't know the UK even, um, could you just describe a little bit about, I mean, you've mentioned it's on the east coast of Scotland. Um, can you describe like the transport links? I mean, how students get there? Yeah. That, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, you'll be delighted to know it's not via horseback uh, or, <laughs> or anything like that. It's um, We're located about one hour north of Edinburgh, the capital city of Scotland. Uh, as I said, on the east coast of Scotland. Um, you've got an international airport at Edinburgh. Um, you're also via train from London. You're looking at just over five hours from London King's Cross to um, the station just outside of St Andrews. Um, there's bus services also from Edinburgh, but the main sort of hub is Edinburgh. There is an international airport at Glasgow as well, and you're probably adding about another 45 minutes to your journey flying into Glasgow. So most people would fly into Edinburgh. Now, I know that uh, um, St Andrews is... Uh one of these sort of British government state-run universities in, in the sense of its funding uh, and its setup. Um, but could you perhaps go on and talk a little bit about um, your university's facilities, you know, the teaching facilities, the, the libraries, the sports, the arts facilities, shopping and eating opportunities, all those sort of things which are going to very closely impact the lives of the students who go and study at St Andrews? Yes, no, absolutely. It's... Um... As you, as you say, we're a public university um, and um, we have a lot of world-leading facilities. We're, a, we're an ancient university founded in 1413, so we are in that category of the ancient uh, universities. Um, but, you know, we have a very modern and cosmopolitan community. And as part of that, absolutely, in, in terms of, of sport, um, we have over diff 60 different sports, uh, ranging from the performance athlete programs, which includes things like golf. There will probably be no surprise, um, football or soccer to, to some people. 
obviously got the World Cup just around the corner, so we're very big football fans here, but also rugby, uh, rowing, um, and um, uh, tennis, fencing, a number of different sports. You could also do sport just for fun. Um, you can come along as an absolute beginner and you could try something like um, scuba diving or windsurfing because we're right next to the ocean so we take advantage of that location but also things like um, skiing um, or table tennis you name it so the sports facilities are absolutely tremendous um, there's been a big multi-million pound investment over the last sort of five years um, and we've got indoor tennis courts a climbing wall etc so really really phenomenal um, sporting facilities at the university. In terms of the arts and music, we have a brand new state-of-the-art music centre um, called the Laidlaw Music Centre that just opened in the past couple of years. Um, and we have a strong pedigree in uh, classical music and indeed in opera and so on. And then also into the arts and performing arts, we have the Bayer Theatre. Uh, which Jeremy you might have seen in your, your visit and we have a very active community in terms of acting and performance arts so there really is something for everyone that's not to mention the other societies that we have from the the uh, the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Appreciation Society and the Harry Potter and Gin Society um, through to 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 you know things like the oldest debating society uh, um, varsity debating society, oldest varsity debating society in the world, um, and political affiliated organisations, you know, um, community service oriented organisations, etc., etc. So there really is something for everyone, and absolutely tremendous facilities. I think it's, it's worth making a point that British universities uh, generally provide a large range of, of activities, clubs, societies, hobbies. Uh, for students, and it seems that St Andrews certainly does this. Um, my, my impression from having visited St Andrews is that although the, the town itself is quite small, that the university, uh, and particularly in the sense of, of, of the arts, the culture, is very, very strong. And uh, so anybody going there to study will certainly feel themselves to have the, sort of the, the big city facilities in a, a small city environment. Um, you, you mentioned the fact that it's next to the ocean, and I, I know that you, your students all go for a swim in the North Sea uh, on May the 1st. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that, because some, some people listening to this don't quite realise that Britain is not a tropical island. <laughs> No, ab absolutely. As soon as you have north in the sentence, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it, you, you know what the temperature is going to be. But you're, you're absolutely right. We, we are an ancient university and some of the ancient traditions very much come to the fore, um, of which the May dip, which, as you say, uh, involves over about a thousand students jumping into the sea at four o'clock in the morning. On, on May 1st in varying degrees of clothing and <laughs> uh, and then being warmed up with blankets and, and uh, hot tea and so on uh, when they come out. But that actually is linked into another tradition, which as you're walking through the cobbled streets of St Andrews, you will find the initials PH outside of the St Salvatore's Quadrangle. And that stands for Patrick Hamilton who was one of our students uh, at the time of the Reformation, who was sadly martyred. And it said, if you step on Patrick Hamilton's initials, you will fail your degree. And the only way to get rid of this curse of bad luck is to jump into the North Sea for the May dip. So as you can see, the ancient traditions <laughs> and our alumni going all the way back to the, to the Middle Ages very much come to the fore 
Um, but it is it is one of the great aspects of the community in St Andrews is some of these ancient traditions, the red scarlet gown, the raisin weekend, including the famous foam fight um, and the academic family system are all really tremendous traditions at the university. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the academic family system, because my, my students who have been to St Andrews, they always talk about this and they really value this academic family tradition. It's it, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of my favourite traditions, I must say. And it's it, at its core, it represents the whole of the university coming out to support the first year entrant cohort. And I think that's incredibly endearing. Um, it's, a, it's a process that's completely organic where senior students adopt first year students and they become their academic mothers and fathers. They, they then, you know, the academic children have brothers and sisters and second cousins twice removed and so on. And really, these academic parents play a variety of roles from friends, confidants, guides, mentors, etc. And as I say, it's a very um, positive tradition. Um, this then leads into the Raisin Weekend, which is a kind of formal um, tradition where the um, there's various um, uh, festivities uh, that happen, and it results in a shaving foam fight in one of our quadrangles, um, St Salvador's quadrangle, uh, where there's about a thousand students having a massive shaving foam fight, dressed in fancy dress, and it's really a kind of rite of passage, I suppose, in in many ways, from a kind of social and 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 from that peer uh, uh, point of view. But um, so anyone who's been here in recent years will have had the shaving foam fight. Back in the day, it was a, a case of being dunked in the town fountain, but that has uh, morphed into <laughs> shaving foam in more recent years. So. I, I suppose we should make the point that this is not mandatory, in case there's any listeners thinking, oh my goodness, I don't fancy doing that. Right. Um, That's right. Um, Perhaps moving away from, from these sort of traditions back towards the more, the more academic aspect of the university, because this is obviously what students are going to be focusing on when they research which universities to apply to. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your lecturers and professors, like where do they come from, for example? Yeah, no, absolutely. We, um, we are... Scotland's oldest university and we're very much part of the Scottish fabric but we are also a global university and, and something we're very proud of and as a result of being global our student community is global but so is our academic community so our our academics come from all over the world I have a Scottish accent so not everyone's going to sound like me uh, you'll be pleased to know but um, indeed we have academics from all over the world and um, it really is a very international community both in the academic community and in the student community and I, I know you obviously have students from all over the world. Um, is there any one part of the world that you have particularly strong ties to? We we do have, um, you, as you say, we've, we've got students from over 140 different countries and, and nationalities represented in the student body. We have a strong representation from North America, where we're just around about 20% from North America. We have a lot of exchange and study abroad uh, programs over in uh, America and Canada. Um, but also we have strong connections to India and China and Southeast Asia, including Singapore, Malaysia, um, and indeed Europe. Um, you know, obviously we've had uh, Brexit in recent years, but we're very proud to have a very strong European community represented within the student body as well. 
And does your university have any formal relationships with any one or more other universities in particular, or like some joint program, perhaps? We do. We we have a um, a kind of flagship uh, program with the College of William and Mary, um, and that's quite unique in the sense that students spend two years at both institutions. Um, so that's a great offering for the right student. Um, um, but we also have um, exchange programs where it's for a semester or a year studying abroad um, with, for example, University of Pennsylvania in the US, University of California, University of Virginia, Chapel Hill, um, uh, Rutgers, and a variety of really top class universities in the US. And then up to Western University, Queen's University, University of Toronto up in uh, Canada, you know, world class universities. And indeed, right around the world, from uh, Hong Kong University, Renmin University in China, University of Melbourne in Australia. So it really is a global reach in terms of our, our relationships with universities. And as you can tell by some of those names, they are top institutions. If you look at Europe, Sorbonne, Sciences Po, Charles University, you know, these are some of the top universities in, in Europe and indeed the world, which we're, we're very proud of. I mean, certainly that's a, an impressive list of top universities, and obviously St Andrews itself is a top university. Now, most universities have information on their websites about rankings. Um, is, is your university actually ranked? Indeed, it is. Yes, um, we we have um, we have scaled the heights of the ranking table um, to last year in the Times, Sunday Times National UK ranking, we knocked Oxford and Cambridge off top spots. We, we achieved first place in that ranking, which was the first time in the history of these league tables that a university had done that. And then we did it in the Guardian University ranking, which was released just a few weeks ago um, for this year. So these are really big achievements um, and um, we're, we're delighted to be doing so well as we are. I mean, if you look at the third one in the independent uh, uh, university ranking, we're currently fourth, uh, third last year and fourth this year. So we're always in about those top three uh, in the UK, but as I say, currently ranked first in the UK in the national rankings, which we're, we're hoping to hold on to for a few years to come. I know that this certainly got the attention of my students because, I mean, a, a lot of international students, um, when they're looking around the world, if they're looking at the United States, they hone in on the names they know, which are the Ivy Leagues. And when they look at the UK, they hone in on Oxford and Cambridge. But I always say to them, you know, there, there are not just two top universities in, in the UK. Uh, look at St Andrews because it's right up there with Oxford and Cambridge. And of course, there are many other top universities scattered around the country. Um, but so leaving that aspect for just a moment, perhaps we could uh, move on and talk a little bit about the academic programs that you offer. Perhaps you could give us a, a quick um, look at that overview. Yes, absolutely. We, um, we have four faculties, the arts and uh, faculty, the divinity faculty, the science faculty and the medical faculty. Um, within that, some of our most popular programs uh, include things like psychology, international relations, economics, management, but indeed also physics, mathematics and statistics, um, biology, um, and increasingly things like sustainable development, geography. Um, there's a lot going on in the world that is, is, is um, you know, looking at the environment. And indeed, we offer world-class programs in subjects related to that, including earth environmental science as well. So given our ranking, 
Um, last year, we were the most competitive university in the UK in terms of um, entry requirements based on UCAS uh, tariff. Um, so all our programmes are, are difficult to get into and they're very popular, but they're some of the uh, the, the more competitive, but we also offer things like English literature, history, social anthropology, film studies. Um, you know, so there is there's a broad range from the sciences through to the arts, and including, of course, medicine, uh, where we the students spend three years at St Andrews and then progress to a partner university to complete that MBCHB qualification, and that's a very selective uh, program, as you can imagine. I think it's worth pointing out to uh, to students from outside the UK who might not be familiar with the structure of the UK that the UK has actually four constituent parts, Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, but there is a difference between Scotland and the other parts in terms of the length of the course and, and possibly also the structure of the course. Perhaps you could speak to that. Yes, absolutely. No, really good point. Um, so basically, in the Scottish model, of which there are slight variations, but to speak in broad terms, it's a standard four-year undergraduate degree programme. We do have a five-year offering, which is the integrated master's offering in some of our science subjects like physics and maths and so on. But um, other programmes, it's standard four-year um, programme, which is characterised by being a broad curriculum offering. Um, and flexible in the sense that students can, in theory, change their degree in the first two years. And indeed, 40% of students at St Andrews change the degree from which they came in to do to something else. Now, that is juxtaposed against, for example, the traditional English model. Again, there are variations, but speaking in broad terms, which is traditionally a three-year model or four years with the integrated uh, master's offering. And in that English model, it tends to be very much focused on one subject of which students dive very deep into that from year one, but there isn't the flexibility to then change their their mind in that initial year. So, um, that, again, I would just bring in the US system, given some of your international listeners might be looking at the North American model. Um, we are a four-year offering in Scotland, as is America and Canada. However, we are not a liberal arts university. We're not characterized by having a core curriculum with electives outside of that, which is what you have in a a liberal arts situation, but we are a four-year model with a broad curriculum. And what happens is a student will apply for a degree, whether that's a single honours degree or a joint honours degree, and when they arrive at the university, they make that subject choice up to a complement of three. So if they apply for a joint degree, they pick up one additional subject. If they apply for a single honours degree, they pick up two. And every student except medicine will be doing three subjects in the first year and then they can begin to switch uh, if they're doing well academically over the first two years within that initial um, subject choice. So that attracts a lot of students to something like a St Andrews because of that flexibility, but also the chance if they're a little bit undecided or indeed they would like to, to study a broad curriculum, they can do so and begin to build their own degree, if you like. Um, around their specific interests. And as I say, there's no mandatory subjects brought in as in the North American system. So therefore, they're really studying what they chose to study, um, which, which is a, a big plus for, for many of our students. I know when, when I'm talking to students, uh, a lot of students, of course, they're 17 or 18 years of age, and they are, they're unsure about which direction they want to go in. And so they sort of look around, or I encourage them to look at uh, universities and, and, and countries which do offer a little uh, more 
you know, breadth in their offering. And I know that students really value what's on offer in Scotland, in particular at St. Andrews University. Um, now, the other thing that students like to talk about is um, things like uh, placements or internships. Are these on offer at St. Andrews as, as part of the uh, bachelor programs that you're offering? In, in a limited sense, yes. I mean, in, in chemistry, for example, there is a industry placement. You can you can do an extended uh, program there, a five-year offering, and that one year is often um, in an industry placement. But it, that's more rare. Um, we are an applied university as opposed to a vocational university by design, so we're not inculcating that that industry placement to the the degree itself. Where we're, we're we're teaching students the skills they need that they can then go out very positively into the working world and use those skills to transfer to the industry that they choose. Um, so our, our graduates are highly employable um, and are certainly finding themselves in, in uh, the industry that they want to go into. But there is that need to, once they finish the degree, um, to to then start looking where they want to apply and what they want to do. So the university is not building that into the degree itself. Um, the other thing that, that students often ask me um, is, does, this, does the university have a, a traditional lecture style of uh, teaching or does it offer sort of problem-based learning? Perhaps you could uh, tell us what St Andrews offers. Yeah, no, great question. We, we are characterised by research-led teaching. Um, and what that means is the teaching is conducted by research active academics who are bringing the experience they have of the active research they're involved in into the classroom, as opposed to reading from a textbook and, and following a syllabus that might be laid down a textbook. Um, students are benefiting from really cutting edge research um, uh, and, and that is the primary means of, of learning. Now that's done within a traditional lecture format, but also a small group tutorial setting. And that's not something that every university will offer, but it's something, one of the great attributes of St. Andrews is that we have a very strong academic to student ratio. It's roughly about 12, uh, sorry, student to academic ratio of 12 to one. Um, and so students attend lectures, and then they break out every week into these small group uh, teaching tutorials where they begin to ask more questions, present information and do a deeper dive into the, the various subject matters. So that research-led teaching is a really important element. And I, and I would say also the exposure to world in academics right from year one through to year four is really, really exceptional at St Andrews. And that's not something every university would offer either. Um, and it's a big selling point. And certainly a lot of our students who graduate harken back to the personal relationship they had with their academic tutors, who were the people writing the books, and they knew them on a first name basis. And that is a incredibly um, attractive academic environment to be in. I'm glad you mentioned that because, of course, I get a lot of feedback from my students who have been to St. Andrews or are perhaps still currently studying there. And that is also one of the things they talk about. They talk about the academic family and they talk about that close relationship that they have with the people who are teaching them. And, and I know that they really value this. Um, but 
sort of as a result of the teaching, most universities assess students in some way. Can, can you talk about how, how are students assessed? Do they have one big exam at the end or is it sort of continuous assessment? Thank you. Yes. No, we um, we used to, in, in, the, in the 90s, offer um, finals, as they were called, um, which I, I always always feel sorry for anyone who went through that process. I went through that process. Yeah, anyway, goodness. <laughs> well, yes. I, I have the utmost respect. It, was, <laughs> um, it, 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 it has... Um, evolved now into continuous assessment, that, that phrase that you used, um, where we offer modules that are self-contained modules with continuous assessment, which includes um, uh, you know, papers, lab work, etc., throughout the semester, and then culminating with an exam for that particular course module at the end of that semester. And those grade, grades are then aggregated together to give an overall score towards the final degree. Um, at St Andrews, it's a 20-point grading scale, but there's maybe no need to go into that at the minute, but it is on a 20-point grading scale, and um, students very quickly understand what good looks like um, when they when they get here. Okay, so uh, moving back in time a little bit, because we, we've been talking about what students actually do at St Andrews, but of course, first of all, they got to apply and get there. Um, what are the attributes of a successful applicant? Yeah, great question. I mean, I have to say from the outset, it is a highly selective university. And so even with the following attributes, obviously that doesn't guarantee entry because of the, the selectivity of the university. But these are some of the attributes that are certainly common denominators in, in the students who are um, uh, fortunate enough to, re to receive an offer. Um, first and foremost, it is high academic achievement. Um, now we do contextualize that um, because not every school is the same, not every curriculum is the same, not every student is the same. And so therefore, when we're reviewing an application, we contextualize what good looks like for that student coming from that environment. But students have to hit the ground running right from year one. And so we're looking for top academic achievement in their respective system. Now, not every national curriculum is suitable for entry, to, direct entry to the university. Uh, and so we have a foundation uh, program offering uh, for students in that situation. But if they are conducting or, or uh, are, are um, uh, in a curriculum suitable for direct entry, for example, the International Baccalaureate, the A-level, um, or the French Baccalaureate, whatever it might be, um, then we are looking for top academic um, achievement. Now that's all on our website, and students can can look and see what the what the requirements are. Along with that, if students are coming from a non English speaking country, then English language requirements are required for our science programs. It's a six point five IELTS um, uh, overall score. There are other English language tests that, that students can take, but IELTS is a very popular one, so just to use that for the for the purposes of this answer at the moment. Um, for the arts faculty, it tends to be at seven. Uh, for English literature, it's at eight. Um, outside of that, we are interested in the overall student. Um, so if they're doing something in the community, if they're doing something with the environment, if they're doing something in terms of personal achievement, um, we do want to hear about that. But primarily, it's the academic achievement. And then next, it's all the other elements. And I would give it a, a kind of 75 to 25% split between the weight of academics versus extracurricular.
you've just anticipated my next question because um, <laughs> students who apply to British universities, um, they, they do some form filling and that includes predicted grades and also the personal statement. And in the personal statement, that's a place where students are going to talk about themselves and an opportunity to flag up all the their other you know, attributes, extracurricular, et cetera. And uh, it's actually quite pleasing to hear that you do value these things. Because I know some universities, they just look at the raw numbers and say yes or no. Um, is, is there any sort of one student that, that you can recall who will uh, stand out as, a, as an inspiration to the, to the listeners who are hoping that they can apply to St. Andrews? Yeah, I mean, do you know, I, I, there, there's a lot of students that really stand out, and and I, I, I would say, I mean, so for example, we know the the terrible atrocities that are happening on on the European continent at the moment in relation to to Ukraine, and we've we've admitted in September this year some phenomenal people. Um, people first and students second because they have been through the most horrendous experience and up against um, the biggest challenges they've managed managed to navigate to St Andrews and they've been admitted and you know going through that application process in bunkers in various parts of Ukraine in contact with us um, about uh, their academic achievement and what their aspirations are and I, I just have the, the utmost respect for people in that situation of which I, I just can't simply, uh, you know, understand what they've been through. But for them to be so, you know, looking so far into the distance and aspiring and keeping that hope alive, um, I, I, I really am in awe of what they've done. But there are others also from, from rural parts of India, for example, that have come up in the most difficult circumstances uh, and um, have managed to achieve outstanding academic grades um, and are now here on one of our, our scholarships and, and doing extremely well. Um, but also from Scotland and across the UK, students again, uh, you know, coming from from really difficult backgrounds, and where St Andrews seemed an awfully long way away, and somewhere that they they couldn't really see themselves for various misconceptions, they have been bold and they've done well academically, and they've applied and they've come here and they're thriving. So, as I say, I wouldn't single out any one student. I think we really have a broad spectrum within our student community of people from different backgrounds, all academically potent, all extremely, um, um, you know, global in their in their outlook. Um, but they've come here and they're thriving. And, and really a lot of that is represented in our first year retention rate, which is uh, around about 98, 99%, uh, which is exceptionally high. Yeah, that is extremely high, I would say. I mean, from the perspective of a college counsellor myself, I mean, obviously I, I grew up in the UK and, you know, to try and imagine what people in the Ukraine are going through, you know, you, you grow up in a, a peaceful place like the UK, it's, it, it's really unimaginable. Um, but I, I think also for me, working with students who are perhaps less gifted, less talented, and, and really try and struggle, that gives me as a college counsellor a lot of pleasure. And I'm very pleased to hear that St Andrews uh, is supporting students who perhaps are not blessed with all of the advantages that life might bring. Um, moving along a little bit, um, 
the students, when they arrive at St. Andrews University, I mean, I assume some of them need support in social emotional areas or perhaps academic areas. Perhaps you could talk about the, the support the university offers to students. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, indeed, we, um, we offer a huge amount of wraparound support. Although, although at our core, we're trying to produce graduates that are independent, they are confident, they are very much research orientated and all the skills that come with that. There are students who come in with varying degrees of um, support requirements and we're very much set up to offer wraparound support as is required. Um, and that means from an academic perspective, but also um, through to a, a social and a, and a health perspective. Um, so our student services department is very well set up with advisors and counsellors and coordinators, including things like uh, mental health and well-being, but also through to you know financial uh, money orientated advisors. Um, within our accommodation, uh, university managed accommodation, we have a wardenial system, which is really a, a set of, of staff that are there to support students in terms of settling in and living their lives uh, in, in the halls of residence. So there really is a, a great deal of support available. Um, we have a 24-7 you know, um, telephone line for people to call up and get in contact, depending on what that is. And really, I think that's the thing with St Andrews. It's always gone that extra mile, uh, wherever it can, for students in terms of support. Um, we always ask students to give us as much heads up as possible for any um, support they might need in advance, so that we, if we don't have it immediately within the infrastructure or set up, we can try and uh, and find uh, a, a facility or option for them. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, I think we're we're doing extremely well in in that area. We're always looking to improve, um, and we're always listening to students to where we can improve that. But certainly, uh, anecdotally, you know, we 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 get a lot of very positive feedback for that support that we offer. And of course, one key aspect of support is health services. Um, students coming into the UK, do, do they need to take out special health insurance to access the British health system? Yeah, if, if an international student is, is coming in as part of the visa process, um, they have to pay for a health surcharge um, and that's around about £480 a year and when they come in they then got full access to the national healthcare system. So this is different from the American system um, and, and other countries around the world um, and although some universities in the world might provide healthcare providers within the university environment including psychologists etc, um, within Scotland we operate uh, along with the national healthcare system where students are referred for more serious conditions to the national healthcare system. But by virtue of paying for that health surcharge as part of the visa process, the students have got the same access as me as a British citizen living in the UK to that uh, national healthcare system. Now, you, you mentioned earlier on about sports uh, at the university and that students have the opportunity to, to play sport. Um, I assume you have a system where St Andrews has sports teams that play competitively against other universities, but what about the students who are perhaps a little less talented in their sport, but they just enjoy doing sport? Uh, are, are there opportunities for them? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you've asked that question and, and actually so close after talking about well-being and mental health, because the two 
are are very much um, aligned in in the sense that sport provides an excellent opportunity for improving well-being and and an outlet from academic pursuits and all the pressures that usually come with a a a, 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 a really focused study environment. So absolutely, there there is a facility for students to rock up to any of our um, sporting. Uh, um, offerings and really just put the toe in the water and and try it out and there's there's no aspersions cast or um any stigma um there really is a facility for people just to do it for a bit of fun uh, or indeed if they are want to take it a bit further then they can really aspire to do that over the four years that they are with us um, so very different from again like the american system where you know some of the ncaa uh, offerings. If you try out for the team and don't make it, you basically give up on the sport. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, very, very different. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear because it's one of the questions I get asked. I mean, the students realise that, well, perhaps hope they realise that St Andrews is a very small town. Now, when I'm counselling students, I always say this is a fantastic university, but if you want to go and live in a big city, then obviously you have to go somewhere else. Um, but having said that, and I, I also tell my current high school students this, that um, the students who go to St. Andrews, they're not bored. There's plenty to do there. Um, so what sort of things do, do students do in the evenings or at, at the weekends? Yeah, no, great question. And, and I should have said earlier on, on the Lee tables, there is another Lee table, which I would encourage any student looking at a UK university to include in their repertoire of research, which is the National Student Survey, which evaluates universities on student satisfaction. And St Andrews comes top in that also. Um, and I think that is really important when considering small town St Andrews. You know, what's it like if I want big city? Am I going to be happy? There isn't enough to do. The students who come to us, we, we are we are ranked number one for student satisfaction, indeed have been for about the last 12 years or so. Um, so, and I, th I think the re the main reason for that is it's very different going to university to going on holiday. When you go on holiday, you create a little bit of a checklist. I want to see X, I want to do Y, and I'll do that over a two-week period, whatever it is. Whereas university, it's about joining a community and that day-to-day -day living, which includes your academic pursuits, but then some kind of extracurricular activity, which might just be having a coffee with, with friends and, and having a chat. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean... What's a typical day look like? You're going to have, you know, maybe morning lectures, maybe a lab in the afternoon, a whole series of different academic uh, classes throughout the day, running from about nine o'clock until about five, six o'clock at night. Um, you'll in the in the afternoon, you're maybe going for a coffee with a friend. You're maybe doing a couple hours research in the library, preparing for a class. You're getting some lunch with friends. Um, then in the evening, you might be going to the music centre or going to uh, join your sports club, going to the gym, um, or just meeting up with friends for a for a glass of orange juice or a pint or a glass of wine or whatever it might be. You might be going over to see that academic family. They might be putting on a James Bond-themed uh, party um, and you're going over for dinner. Um, or you might be going to one of the famous formal balls that we have where you get dressed up in the famous Scottish kilt uh, or tuxedo or ladies in the, the ball gown or, or um, some formal wear and then going to have... Uh, go into one of the balls, um, which we which we have many throughout the year. 
so it's it's uh, it's a really high octane uh, environment and it although it is a medieval town that that is not a quiet town in that sense there's a lot going on equally if you if you pref prefer a little bit of quiet and just you know you've got a little bit uh, more focus on the academics and less on extracurriculars you can absolutely have that life as well um but certainly the student satisfaction is is through the roof it's it's absolutely tremendous you mentioned uh, the the kilt and, and the ball. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've, I've seen the, these events, and they're very fine indeed. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here in Vienna, by the way, conducting this podcast, and at our school we have the Kaylee uh, this uh -huh. weekend. Now, either you know what the Kaylee is, perhaps, you could, perhaps you could just describe it for our listeners, because most of them won't know. <laughs> a Kaylee is the best thing that you have never heard of. It is. <laughs> That's a good way to say. It. <laughs> Don't ask me to spell it, but uh, no, it's a, it, it's essentially a very traditional Scottish party. But the biggest characteristic of this is that it, it is there's a lot of dancing, and it's Scottish, uh, Scottish, you know, country dancing, and it's the type of dancing where even if you have two left feet, that's absolutely fine because it's very easy, and it is just something you're changing partners all the time. Everybody's getting involved. It's very fast, and you know it's a, it's a better workout than going to the gym. But it is very communal. You know, it's very involved, and it's just a lot of fun. And there's a there's a restaurant that turns into a Cayley Hall uh, in in the town in in uh, in Forgans. It's called, and uh, they have a live Cayley band with the fiddle and the guitar and the accordion there playing. It, honestly, if you've never been to a Cayley and you don't come to St Andrews, get yourself to a Cayley at some point in your life. You will not regret it. <laughs> when I was in St Andrews. Um, however, before you can get to the Cayley, listeners, you actually have to get to the university. Now, one yes. of the things, one of the things that uh, concerns students in high school, um, the orientation, those first few nervous days when you're new and it's all strange and you're away from home, what sort of support do you offer students during that sort of uh, initial week or so? Absolutely. No, great, great question. And I think the, the key thing to say is that orientation, it's that onboarding process to the university and it helps you get settled with the academic classes you're going to be taking to formally matriculate, i.e. register at the university and go through that whole process, but also start looking around at what societies and sport offerings there are and get yourself along there and meeting people and so on. And then there's a lot of fun activities with music and, and going out and having fun with different parties, etc. that are happening in that, in that week. There's an orientation app um, which students are, are given the chance to, to log on to, which is really you know, a great guide for seeing what's happening. Within the halls of residence, people are always making sure you're okay, making sure you're going the right direction. People are a bit lost and don't know where to go. And there's always someone there ready and willing to help. So the orientation week is really something where the whole university is orientated, as, as the name might ex suggest, towards those first year students and helping them get uh, into that mindset of, of being a St Andrews student so that when the next week starts and teaching starts in the following week, they're ready to go. So it's a, it's a great week that happens in the early part of September. Before you can get to orientation week, you have to get from the airport to St Andrews. Uh, do, do you have some sort of meet and greet or pick up service? 
We do, no, absolutely, and and uh, we reach out to students in advance so that they can register for that, tell us what they're what they're they're planning to do, and so on, so that we can we can make sure that they get safely from the airport to to the university. Absolutely. And of course, uh, apart from the academics, so one of the uh, concerns I think of students is the whole issue of accommodation. Uh, can you talk about the accommodation provision at St Andrews? Yes, absolutely. So we guarantee first year accommodation for undergraduate students, which is which is a great pledge, um, particularly in the tiny, the, the environment uh, that we see at the moment across the world, um, not just in the UK. Um, so students have to apply for that accommodation. There is a deadline by which they have to get that application in. So provided they do that, we guarantee first year accommodation in one of our 12 um, halls of residence. Um, now, the offerings range from living single occupancy by yourself or sharing with another student. Um, there's uh, ensuite facilities or shared uh, restroom facilities, and there's a catered option with your meal plan added or self-catering. Now, you're not guaranteed to get your first choice. There's a, a range of options you get on the form, uh, four options, and then we try and place you in the first choice, but if we can't, you know, we go through the second, third, fourth, and so on. Um, we also ask questions like, what type of music do you listen to? And try and dig in a bit about your lifestyle. So if you are living with a roommate, we try and pair you up. Although a matching service is obviously never going to be perfect, but we do our best to, to get like-minded people um, together. Um, accommodation, um, then after first year, students have the chance to reapply for university managed accommodation. Although there's no guarantee of being awarded it, it's a very high percentage that do. I think it's about in the, the low 90 percentile that actually get university accommodation again. We can't guarantee it, but it is a high percentage um, that, that tend to get it. But many students choose to move out into private accommodation because the town of St Andrews, it's not a campus-based university. It, the town is the campus. And so the private accommodation is right next to the university accommodation. So many students choose to get their friends, move into private accommodation um, and pay whatever the, the premium might be for that based on the number of students that are going to be in that house. In recent years, there has there has been a real um, squeeze uh, on the accommodation available. So some students are looking 25 minutes away to Dundee and to the uh, area 10 miles surrounding St Andrews. Um, but um, you know that's something the university is very much aware of, and we are in the process of building new accommodation uh, and 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 making sure um, that uh, going forward, you know, we we've got as much accommodation available to students as as possible. I mean, you you mentioned the the city of Dundee as sort of an overflow destination for accommodation. Um, I know that there's a there's a bus service that links the two places, Dundee to St Andrews. Um, and as you say, it's actually not that far away. Um, you also mentioned food. I mean, food is a really important topic for students, Indeed. <laughs> as, as we know. Um, do, do you have a system of sort of canteens and cafeterias where students can just charge up a swipe card or just uh, swipe their credit cards? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, as I say, the, the key thing to note is that, as I say, we're not a campus-based university. The town is the campus, so therefore all the restaurants, cafes, plus the the cafes associated with the university are all within the town. So there's a lot of offerings there available. As I say, if you're in a hall of residence with a meal plan, you'd be you'd be racing back to your hall of residence for the allocated time mm -hmm. um, uh, to to get your lunch there. Um, but if you're all self-catered, you might be 
catering for yourself in your, your hall of residence or just grabbing a sandwich or some pasta, whatever it might be, some noodles in, in the town. You're looking at around about, you know, five to seven pounds, something in that region. Um, but there's a lot of really, really great food options in the town, you know, from vegan options, to vegetarian options to, you know, right through to, um, to, to, you know, someone who's wanting something more meat orientated um, and, and maybe they want to try some Indian food or uh, uh, Cantonese or, or Chinese food um, and then some other great options as well. I must, I must say the fish and chips in St. Andrews is exceptional, but don't, don't worry, it's not, all the, it's not all the food that we serve. You know, I was sitting here thinking, should I mention the fish and chips? Because the first thing I did when I checked into the hotel in St. Andrews, I asked a young man behind the reception desk, where's the best chippy fish and chip shop? And I always do this when I go to the UK. And I actually give this tip to my students that if you're going to the UK and you want to do fish and chips, they're either really good or really bad. And in St. Andrews, they're really good. But you do have to ask a local and they'll point you in the right direction. So there's a... There's a good tip for any student thinking of applying well anywhere in the UK. You need to ask the locals where the best uh, fish and chip shop is. Um, another question, um, which does it, it does crop up occasionally. I know there's a lot of research done on homesickness and how students cope with being away from their parents. But at some level, they, they actually miss their pets. Um, do you allow students to bring pets to the university? We we. We don't, um, but some students have a medical need, um, and they they have a pet, you know, for for that reason as an emotional support pet, and um, we do make facilities for students in a in a case by case situation, but um, overall, no. Um, and, it, and it wouldn't be advised, particularly if you've got a roommate who's maybe you know, not keen <laughs> on, on having a pet giraffe walking around the, the, the apartment. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, in certain cases, yes, but usually no. Actually, I'll tell you a, a funny little anecdote. Many years ago, I brought a group of students to Scotland and we traveled around. We went to a half a dozen universities, including St. Andrews. And when we got to Ed back to Edinburgh Airport, I said to them all, OK, which was your favourite university? And one girl said, oh, St. Andrews. Well, of course, well, of course yeah. it's the top university. So I asked her why, thinking she's going to talk about the academic programme or something like that. And she said, it's where we saw the fluffy bunny rabbits outside the Hall of Residence. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's a true story, I swear. Really? So based on this, she applied to St. Andrews. I mean, this girl did have... She was a straight A student in every subject for her whole life. Uh -huh. So she, anyway, long story short, she went to St Andrews, very happy. Uh, I'm not sure whether she got to see the bunny rabbits again, but uh, <laughs> she got to graduate with a good degree and had a wonderful experience. So I guess it's worth it. Yes. Um, moving on a little bit, um, the cost. I mean, obviously universities cost money, and I know that uh, in the UK there are different categories of tuition fees depending largely on nationality and residence. Perhaps you could just run us through that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so starting with the overseas uh, cohort, um, for programmes outside of medicine, you're looking at just over £28,000 sterling. Obviously, you need to check the exchange rate for what that would translate into your, your home currency at, at the time of, of applying. Um, for medicine, it's just over £35,000 sterling per year. Um, now, this is just for the tuition. Obviously, accommodation and living expense, etc., is outside of that. But this is just for the for the tuition. If you are 
deemed to be an RUK, which stands for Rest of UK Fee Status Student, then it's £9,250 sterling per year. And if you are a home student, which tends to be um, the Scottish students, then you're looking at around about £1,800, which is very often um, covered uh, by, by SAS for those, for those students. So that's the kind of three main categories, overseas, RUK and home. Do citizens of the Irish Republic qualify for a special deal? They um, very often are able to get RUK fee status, uh, particularly post-Brexit. So many students are able to um, achieve that fee status as opposed to overseas. Um, but there are various situational circumstances that I wouldn't want to be too categorical in that answer and I would encourage anyone in that situation to look very closely at the fee status policy. It will be it will be rubber stamped when the student applies. We ask them to fill out a fee status questionnaire and that gives us all the information we need to make a firm decision on fee status. But before that you can look at something like UKISA website which is a good sort of entry, entry uh, level information to the, the fee status situation and indeed look at our own website with information on there about fee status. But um, post Brexit there have been some changes in, in relation to uh, fee status for anyone who's applying from from the EU, including Ireland, of course. No, I, I think that many of the listeners here will be thinking, well, um, how am I going to afford this? Will I be able to work in the UK or are there scholarships available? Perhaps you could uh, you know, enlighten us on those two topics. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if a student is coming in overseas with, uh, with the student route visa, they can work up to 20 hours a week um, as part of that visa and part-time work. Um, uh, during semester time, that is. Um, um, in terms of scholarships, we do have some scholarships available with strict deadlines that students have to, to adhere to. So if you are looking to apply, please do look at our website for the various uh, deadlines related to that. But it is safe to say, you know, the, the scholarships we offer are not going to be you know, able to pay for everything for everyone. Um, so we do try to to spread our available monies as far as possible. Um, and and indeed, there are there are um, um, scholarships that are means tested. So looking at the financial income of students, there's academic merit scholarships. There's the the need based scholarship, which is kind of tied into the means means tested scholarship. So there are various scholarships available. There are relatively small pots of money, particularly if you look at something like the US, which tends to have much bigger uh, offerings available. But there are some, and we would encourage any student to, to look in, in depth at our offerings online. You mentioned students can work 20 hours a week. Um, it seems quite a lot if you're really going to do a, a good job with your academic programming. Is, is this really feasible to work so many hours a week and be successful academically? It, it, no, it's a good question. I, I, it is a lot. I would say for the for anyone who's really, really spending the required time in the library and in their classes, etc., it's possibly going to be too much. There are some incredible time managers out there, and I, I'm in awe of of many of them. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so they they do they do manage to work an awful lot part time, which obviously gives them a lot of transferable skills outside of the outside of just the textbooks into into the working world. So it's certainly something I would commend to students to try and get some part time work if they can, not just from the financial perspective, but from that work experience perspective. But yes, I think everyone has to to means test their own 
their own workload to see what is suitable for them uh, and do be careful because the academic demands are, are very high. Um, you, you mentioned sort of scholarships like merit-based scholarships and uh, financial needs scholarships uh, from the university, but is there any financial aid available from the Scottish Government or the British Government? Um, there is respective to the fee status. Um, so for home students, then there is uh, financial aid available through SAS. Um, equally, the student loan uh, facility and, and uh, bursaries available to RUK funded students, um, again, in certain circumstances. And to overseas students, you know, anyone coming from uh, the US, for example, uh, can apply through FAFSA for federal loan that way. And indeed, there are other countries in the world that might offer federal loan options to anyone studying abroad. So we we do accept that, provided the country allows that federal loan to be transferred overseas, which the American federal loan does, and some European countries do too. But um, I would say it's a little bit case by case. I, I think for you, the, the listeners, it's probably worth checking out to see whether your home government supports you to go and study abroad. And, and there are quite a lot of countries that do this. Uh, and I think a lot of people are unaware of that. So um, I would sort of offer that as a little tip. Um, the other thing you're going to need, apart from money, of course, is a student visa. Um, Ivo, could you maybe talk about uh, how students go about getting a visa, how the university will support them in this process? Yeah, I mean, it, it like anything as serious and as important as trying to get into a country, uh, um, mm. it's really important that a student at that time applies themselves to look at the information very carefully and abide very strictly to what is laid out um, from that government uh, website in relation to applying for that visa because it's not the university who provides the visa to the student. We sponsor the student, but we don't provide that visa. That's that's through the UK VI um, Visa and Immigration Service. So um, it can be tedious, um, but no student should be daunted by it because it's a straightforward process as long as time is set aside and students follow the the letter of the law when they're when they're going through that process. But by and large, what's happening is a student is applying. If they get an offer, they have to accept that offer. They then are providing their passport details, etc., to the university. And the university generates something called a CAS, C-A-S, CAS number, which the student then use, um, uses to apply for their visa through the through UK VI, the, the UK Visa and Immigration Service. Um, the the if the visa is granted then there is the facility for the students to go and get the biometrics uh, taken and when they arrive in the uk they go and pick up the actual visa that then provides um the the uh, right for them to be in the uk for the length of time that they want to be there so there is a process and students shouldn't be worried about it um, we have a lot of advice at the time to students and then obviously the UK government has a lot of advice on their website but also I'd encourage students to look at the British Council um, and look at UKISA as well as two really good first ports of call um, in terms of information related to applying for the visa. Now, Something students uh, often consider is um, can they stay on in the UK and work after they've graduated? 
Great question, yes, and um, there has been a huge development in that area just uh, since 2021, um, uh, uh, where um, we students can stay in the UK for two years after graduation, um, which is absolutely tremendous. Um, and if a company is willing to sponsor a student after that, they can obviously stay a bit longer. But that two-year visa gives a great opportunity um, to go and get some really valuable work experience in the UK. Um, and certainly it's it's not something everybody seems to know about at the minute. So I think it's really important yeah. for students to be aware of that that offering. Um, and um, certainly countries like uh, India and China and uh, Europe are really making the most of that. Uh, indeed, we have people here at St Andrews who are, who are uh, working with us as part of that uh, visa process. So it's two years. I know that um, it's, it's one of the big attractions for students to go and study in Canada, for example, because the Canadians have had this system for quite some time. And it's very gratifying to hear that the UK is also offering this because if you consider that if you're going to study at St Andrews for four years, five years maybe, and then you work for another couple of years, you will have been in the UK for probably six, seven years. And during that time, people put down roots. Uh, they, they might, for example, have a, have a partner or a husband or a wife, um, and therefore people will want to stay on. And, uh, and I think it's, it's nice that the UK government has made that easier for, for foreign citizens who come to the UK to study. Um, so moving along a little bit, um, what sort of, um, um, you know, the, the whole application process, if we have a look at that, what, what are the application deadlines for international students? Is there a fee to make the application? What documents do they need to have? All these sort of things. Yeah. So in relation to St Andrews, an international student can apply through one of three routes, the UCAS uh, option, the direct application or the American Common application. Um, we would encourage students to apply early. So our applications system opens where we formally begin reviewing applications in September of the year prior to entry. Um, so we would encourage students to apply early and early means sort of by the end of October. Of that of that year, um, there are various documents that we ask for, including the transcript of grades, uh, often going back three four years within their high school, their secondary school career. We ask to see a school profile so that we can see the context of that school and the curriculum, etc. Um, and then there's the application itself, which will include, for example, an essay or the personal statement in terms of UCAS and indeed a reference uh, as as well. Um, we have an equal consideration uh, deadline, uh, which is tied in with the UCAS equal consideration deadline in January, um, which is the uh, last Wednesday in January, 25th of January in 2023. And um, but even still, students should aim to apply early. If they don't apply in September, October, they can absolutely still apply in November, December, and indeed even up to that equal consideration deadline 
in, in January. We still accept applications after that January deadline, but students run the risk of all the offers being gone by that point. So everyone should be aware to apply early. Um, we aim to get decisions turned around as quickly as possible. Um, there is no set number of weeks, um, but certainly we, we try and get offers out as, as quickly as, as we can. Is there an application fee involved here? It depends on the application route that there is. It's it's a very nominal fee, um, but uh, there is a fee associated with with each of the different application routes. But you're looking at around about that fifty dollar mark, and um, to use a US currency just for a kind of more broad currency. Yes, um, students. We, we were talking just now about students graduating from St Andrews and staying on in the UK to work. Um, what sort of skills do you think students acquire while they're at St Andrews and which will stand them in good stead for what comes after university? Yeah, no, great, great question. And, and I think that gets to the real nub of what this overall experience is about. Yes, you can come and jump into the North Sea. Yes, you can make <laughs> lots of, of great, great friends, of which it's obviously a big part of being a student at university. But primarily you're aiming to achieve that degree award of of uh, of the highest level that you can that then sets you up for the next stage in life because university is not an end in itself it's setting you up for the next stage which might be further study in terms of a master's or a phd later on or indeed going straight into industry so the, the transferable skills is we're we're we want our students to be independent we want our students to develop that self-reliance and the confidence that they can go and seek the answers and they can articulate the answers to questions um, through uh, honed research skills, but also honed communication skills and presentation skills. So we're really creating confident graduates, but it's very much in a global context that they are globally minded and they are very much aware of the um, the need for corporate sustainability and, and that sustainability to be at the heart of everything that they do. Um, and I would also say that um, there's there's a lot of empathy. Um, you know, we live in a, in, a, in a world now that it's very polarized, that somebody thinks something different from me, therefore I must not listen to them because they are wrong. And, you know, and I, th I, I think St. Andrew still manages to have a broad spectrum of thought and a broad spectrum of different opinions where people can disagree and people can hold different views but it's very much in terms of civil discourse um and uh, i think that's something we you know we want to hold on to as as, as long as we possibly can um so yeah we, we are we are developing people who are curious we're developing people who are good listeners uh, and able to change their mind uh, on a situation if the evidence is is compelling enough to do so I think it's worth pointing out that employers in the UK and, and other countries too um, are really looking for, for students with, with skills, transferable skills and, and potential because as you rightly say, uh, the university is not an end in itself, it's just another step towards, well, your future life. And I think St Andrews does an excellent job in preparing students to, to go on out into the world and work. Um, we're almost through uh, our, our list of questions, Ava. Um, but if, if a student has a question, um, who should they contact at the university? Yes, um, please do do visit our website. We have a 
an option on there for coming to visit the university and there's different contact details on there depending on on what means you you plan to come and visit us um, we have a, an email address which is admissions at st-andrews.ac.uk um, but if you go onto our website um, you'll find all our contact details on there and you can get in touch and we stand ready um, to answer any questions that you have and we try and get back to any inquirer as soon as possible. But uh, please do, if you get the opportunity to come and visit, please come and see us at St Andrews and um, do get in touch, uh, join one of our information sessions. We're very often out in different countries around the world and it might be at your school or in the local area. So do try and come along to an information session if you can. But uh, I absolutely commend St Andrews to you as a, as a phenomenal option. Um, and there's a lot of really unique and special things happening at St Andrews, particularly in that teaching and academic sense, but also in terms of the community uh, and that uh, global um, perspective that we that we have. So I really commend it to you and I wish you every success in that application process. I mean, you, you mentioned that sense of community and I, and I, I sort of felt that and realised that when I went to visit the university and, and certainly that's the feedback I get from all of my students. It's something that they highly value. Um, and then, of course, there are uh, other aspects of uh, selecting a university. Um, I think for you, the listeners, if, if you're about to apply to university, it's really worthwhile to go and visit if you possibly can. Of course, you can read details on the website and, and you should. But I think that if you go and visit a place, you walk around and you get this feeling, you know, yes, I could see myself here or, or no. And I know it's not very scientific, it's a gut feeling. Um, both of my sons went to study in the UK and I did this with both of them. And my youngest son, there was one university, uh, it looked like it had the perfect program on the internet, but when we got there, he just couldn't see himself being a student there. So he went somewhere else where he was happy and successful. I know it's difficult if you're you know, in the country a long way from the UK to do this, but if at all possible, I would really urge you to go and visit and St Andrews is a, a fabulous location to visit. Um, Ivor, is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't actually covered? Um, yeah, no, good, good question. That's, that's, that's fairly, fairly comprehensive. Um, no, I mean, I, I think what, what I would say is to any of your listeners who, you know, are maybe attracted by some of the aspects I've, I, I've talked about to do with St. Andrews or indeed are just on that journey to think about what university is the best fit for them. I would really commend that time set aside to do your research because there is a, a wide array of different universities out there, excellent universities in their own right offering every program you can imagine and it can be a bit daunting but I think if you take a very structured approach to it and you do your research and you 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 know what you're looking for it's time well spent and um, getting beyond just the the the, the brand um, at face value getting beyond the location or the aesthetics but actually getting behind that and actually seeing what is teaching like what am I going to be anonymous in that classroom or am I going to be a known entity? Is that important to me? Do I care? Um, and beginning then to see what is the learning environment? What is the 
peer-to-peer social environment going to be like and can I thrive in that type of environment um, because four years three years is a long time to spend at any single destination and you want to be happy there you want to be able to grow you want to feel that you can be heard and you can be respected and so on um, that is something certainly St Andrews offers a broad spectrum of different students, but we would commend you to really do your research to make sure it is the right environment for you, for you to then go on to apply. And a little inside tip that may, may not always be um, obvious, I would encourage you in a St Andrews context, it's called the course catalogue, and many universities have something similar that lets you see behind the curtain of first year, second year, third year, and indeed fourth year of what the academic program is offering so that you can begin to see, okay, what is that program really all about? Not just what I think I've heard about or I may have researched elsewhere, what is it really teaching? And that might help you in that process of thinking what you really want to study at university. But I'd maybe, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe um, leave it there. And um, as I say, just encourage you to, Look online, look at YouTube, which very often there's videos on there, certainly in St Andrew's context, you can read different videos of, of people posting in there. Look at social media, look at the website, look at the prospectus, come and visit, as, as Jeremy says, or the other university in the UK you might be thinking about, to get that gut feeling and then speak to students on the campus and find out what they think as well. Um, so that you're not just speaking uh, to maybe pe people like me on one side of the desk or looking at a glossy prospectus, but you're actually speaking to the students there at the time and getting their opinion. I mean, I, I agree entirely. For me, as a college counsellor, I go and visit a lot of universities. And of course, I have meetings with the people who work at the universities. Um, but what is particularly interesting for me is to actually talk to the students. Uh, most universities... Um, have student guides who will show you around the campus. And it's a great chance to actually have a chat and find out what their lives are like at the university. Yeah. Um, finally, um, obviously, we have established that St. Andrews is a very competitive university, a top-ranked university. So students applying to St. Andrews clearly need to have a plan B, just in case. Um, so if a student can't get a place at St. Andrews, is there any particular university or universities that you would recommend that they have a look at? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a great question. I think, you know, I think having a plan is absolutely vital. You're absolutely right. And that might involve looking at local universities in your home country, as well as the international universities you're looking at. It all depends on what your main criteria are. If it's the price point, then that's going to limit the university you're looking at based on the cost of their courses that they're offering. If it's based on location, then again, that's going to limit it. If you're absolutely certain you want to be in a city or you want to be in a more quiet location, again, that's going to limit the institutions on your shortlist. Um, also, the course, the program. I mean, St. Andrews, we don't offer every program available. We don't do mechanical engineering. We don't do law. Um, so there's certain programs we maybe don't offer, which just discounts us right from the beginning. And indeed, other universities may or may not offer those programs. So I think there's a certain culling exercise that will help you reduce your shortlist at first. You might then come down with a shortlist of which um, I wouldn't commend one university over the other. I think lead tables have their place, but they're not divine. They're not definitive. Um, indeed, very often when you look at university lead table position, you have to look at the subject 
position within that university because you might have a university that's not so mm. highly ranked, but that a certain department is very highly ranked and you wouldn't want to, to gloss over that. So um, you obviously you might have a great counsellor like Jeremy or, or another contact who's very experienced in terms of higher education that you can lean on for that really expert advice and guidance. And I would, I would commend that to you as well. Try and speak to people that you trust and who are in the know to support you through this process. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I've been doing this for about 13 years and I, I am in awe of all the amazing universities around the world and the slightly different way they deliver teaching, slightly different mm. way they, they welcome their students. And there's something out there for everyone. Um, and so I wouldn't choose one over another. I would just encourage you to take a strategic approach to researching those institutions and try and find the best fit for you. You mentioned uh, league tables or rankings. Um, if you, the listener, are interested in this, we've already made a podcast on this topic, so perhaps you want to go and check out that podcast. So finally, Ivor, thank you, thank you so much. I, I know it's probably late in the day for you now, and you're probably waiting to go home to uh, a cheese sandwich or whatever you have waiting for you, <laughs> or fish and, fish and chips, fish possibly. And chips, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember the chip shop that I went to in, I can't remember which street it's on, I think it was on the main street, and it was excellent, really excellent. Yes. So... If you're going to go to St. Andrews, definitely you need to check out the Fish and Chips as well as the academic program. Ivo, thank you so much again for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Jeremy. I've really enjoyed uh, the, the session today and uh, I really wish your, your listeners every success in the application process and with their future. It's an exciting time in their lives. I wish I could do it again, but uh, be positive yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I wish you all the very best. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast. <laughs>